You're listening to Love in the Time of Chasmosaurs, the podcast, the audio supplement to our blog of the same name about the science, art, and popular culture of mostly Mesozoic life. I'm Nati. I'm Mark. And I'm Gemma. Our guest in episode 31 is artist Andy Fraser, also known across social media as Dragons of Wales. Andy will be speaking mostly to Mark while I listen quietly in the background later. Before that, for our vintage, or perhaps more appropriately, our nostalgic dinosaur art this month, we will be discussing the work of Mark Hallett for the book Dinosaurs, A Global View, written by Sylvia and Stephen Shirkus, and first published by Dragon's World Limited in 1990. But first... I wonder if I would be incurring the displeasure of our esteemed editor if I were to bring up some dinosaur toy news for our preambulatory chat. Oh, go ahead then. (laughs) Excellent. This is good to know. Because it's your birthday, love. Oh, you're very kind. Congratulations. (laughs) Wishing to see a happy birthday in the comments. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm going to stop singing. Everyone hand around the little plates of tiny cheese cubes and slices of salami. All sit in a circle. We'll have to forgo the salami, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right you are. But, um, I mean, dinosaur toys, there are, after all, very much within our remit, you know, as part of the evolving face of paleo art. And I'm pretty confident that a great many of our listeners are also collectors, just like Mark and myself. And I do want to rope you into this conversation, Mark, because I know you would be just as enthusiastic as I am. Yeah? I mean, really, I just wanted to say that PNSO... (laughs) at whose altar we collectors worship these days, um, have brought out a slew of new releases. Um, not least, uh, towards the end of 2023, the Alamosaurus, the Axe, and two species of young Tyrannosaurus. Which are actually the same species. And one is an adult and one is... Well, it depends which scientist you listen to, of course. It, but the, well, one of them quite. really looks like an adult <laughs> of the other one. <laughs> Just saying. Are we or, going to have falling outs about Allosaurus now after all the Tyrannosaurus news of last month? Young Tyrannosaurus. Well, I mean... That's Although how you. It has been argued that Saurophagnax should be lumped into Allosaurus. Exactly. Of <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. You know, pick, pick, pick your argument. Pick your Saurophagnax versus Allosaurus, your two species of young Tyrannosaurus, and whether Nanotyrannus exists or not. Um, but anyway. It doesn't. Similar <laughs> And I was was going to say that um, most recently of all, the their latest release is a new Edmontosaurus, of course. Really, I just wanted to to hear what you think, Mark, about all of these. Me, well, yes, Edmontosaurus. You. Plenty of people, I'm sure, modesty forbids, but plenty of people pointed out how much it resembles the artwork that you produced of um, Dakota. Was it the, the oh, um, mummy? I, I was... Edmontosaurus mummy. <laughs> I wasn't thinking of Montessori's in particular. I just meant just, you know, that their recent release. No, of course but, not, but uh, I, I can't help but imagine that it's possibly <laughs> why you specifically mentioned the Montessori's. Uh, because it is an Montessori's, or it looks to be an Montessori's in actance. No, 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 no. It's no, no, restored with a comb and looking very much like your Montessori's that obviously you illustrated, although not as nicely patterned, but then they have got a mass producer thing. If it had peng patterning on it, it'd be like very hard on the poor people in the factory. To reproduce over and over. So Hang on, the one be... with the comb is regardless, right? The one with the preserved comb, yeah, it is regardless. Yeah, yeah. So putting a comb on an actins is speculative, yeah. but not unreasonable. But, um, yeah, but the, the Edmontosaurus, the PNSO Edmontosaurus, looks rather like uh, an actins with a comb, which incidentally was exactly what was asked of me when I did the illustration for the Dakota Heritage Center, because Dakota is, of course, an actins, but they did request a comb uh, nevertheless, even though Dakota itself doesn't preserve one. And I suppose that's at least one of the similarities between the PNSO and Montessori's and my illustration. But Other than that, I really do believe that all the similarities really are pretty coincidental. I mean, after all... It's the same animal. Well, exactly. If you draw an Edmontosaurus, you're going to, you know... It's going to look much like another Edmontosaurus drawn by by another person. If you are trying to be as rigorous and as plausible as you can... It is very exceptionally well-known. Yeah. So So if you do it competently, it's just going to resemble... Exactly. 
So I don't think really that the artists at PNSO have particularly been looking at, at my work at all. I think that's just convergence. Thank you. I think you're probably right, actually. And in other news, the theropods have lips now, which is going to please the most people. have lips now. Indeed. There are very few people who are going to be annoyed by this, apart from <laughs> Tracy Ford. But apart from that, <laughs> no one else is going to be upset. Indeed, they somehow, obviously, they already look really nice, but somehow it just adds that little extra smidgen of believability to them. Believability, somehow lifts the whole the thing. Yeah. Yes. You can kiss them now. What's not to like? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, the, the the big young Chinosaurus, whichever, if you want to call it, um, Shanguensis or you know, Magnus, that one looks absolutely magnificent. Unfortunately, I don't own it. Um, I know someone who does. <laughs> but um, that one in particular just looks so regal and handsome. You own the smaller one, of course, as and do I one. now. Yes. <laughs> and I own the Saurophagnax, which also looks very nice. I, I, I imagine that Ellipse T-Rex, the... Yes, another T-Rex, but with lips now, will come out in the very near future. And even though it'll be really expensive, with, with the added the added T-Rex tax that you always get with T-Rex models, I'm still going to buy it because I'm <laughs> a, just a chump. We're all going to buy it. We're all chumps at PNSO's. I'm not. <laughs> uh, who, who are you again? You're not. Um, We're talking here. Who, who let you in? <laughs> I hope, Emma, that we will we'll slowly work our way um, on on converting you even to becoming a oh, collector God. at some point oh um, no <laughs> i have i have so many expensive hobbies i mean it's true you don't you don't even know uh, i mean we all do pretty much try being a musician <laughs> <laughs> well try being an artist and trying to make both a career and um everything else out of that i um, know i haven't been doing a particular dinosaur race activities i did revisit the Leicester Museum and Art Gallery uh, earlier this month and admired their Cetiosaurus. I didn't realise quite how much of that was actually original material, but there's a significant amount of original material in that Cetiosaurus. And there's a very strange Neo-Veneta skeleton, which pops up elsewhere as a Megalosaurus skeleton. And I have been told that I will be told the story behind all that, but haven't yet. So uh, but it's interesting. It's, it's a very generic large theropod thing. And there's lots of ichthyosaur stuff, but, you know, I'll leave that to Dean Lomax to explain. Uh, by the way, his book's really good. Did I mention that last time? Huh. I'd also watched the, speaking of marine reptiles, I did watch, and it's way back at the start of the month, but the Attenborough pliosaur thing that attracted some minor controversy for not oh, naming yes. the guy who actually found it. But it's all a bad show, and if nothing else, it was nice to see uh, Dr. Muscat and the Finn, the plesiosaur robot again. I believe they have redressed the whole, um, the, the, the very grievous error of leaving out the name of the person who discovered the fossil. I think they've um, reinstated him uh, the last time. Yeah, I, I think they have. Oh, nice. Yeah. Obviously, we've forgotten his name. Sorry. But I'm glad he's back in the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. I've forgotten it too. But, but also, I haven't seen um, the documentary yet. Gasp. Anyway, this is the point where I edit in the name of the person who discovered it. Philip Jacobs. <laughs> so bad. Bravo. <laughs> We're running a tight ship here. You can tell. Yes. Yes, we are. This is worse than Tetsu podcast. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Conway. Our reputation animation. has shrunk. Or or has it? No. Or has it? Shall we move on to well, our vintage? Maybe we should address that um, you are not hallucinating. I did, in fact, change my name. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Yes, well, we may. Go ahead. Well, uh, hi. I'm the artist formerly known as Niels. It's Gemma now. Um, she, her, if you please. Uh, we call... Cool. Thank you. Congratulations on your own renaissance, Gemma. Yeah, you can say Gemma. It's it's fine either way. Gemma. 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 Not, not Gemma. I'm sorry. Not Gemma. Not Gemma. We're, we're going to have a GIF-GIF discussion here. <laughs> it is GIF, you know. Anyway. anyway All right. Gemma, well, Gemma. let me say that again, Gemma. then. Let me say that again. This is wonderful news, and congratulations on your own renaissance, Gemma. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this has all been in order to reflect slightly better who I am. And I feel that so far it's uh, performing that purpose. So if you would uh, indulge me and call me Gemma or Gemma, I would be most grateful. Thank you very much. Well, Hooray. congrats, Gemma. Feeble <laughs> <laughs> cheering. Yay. Warm, warm and fuzzy feelings. Yes. Um, 
Also, Whoa, and this is far, far more important, I'm going to start working at my local zoo as a guide. So um, if you visit Oude Hans Dierenpark in the small town of Renen, it's uh, about 15 minutes walk from the station there, that's where I will start working in the very near future and uh, talking to people about animals, which is the thing I most love to do in my entire life. So uh, that's a little something I like to share with you. It's double the wonderful news. <laughs> Shall we move on to our vintage, or should I say nostalgic, dinosaur art? Vintage dinosaur art. It's, it's okay to say vintage. I think you can definitely call this vintage. Come on. I mean, yeah, it's, it's... it's probably old enough at this point. And we're talking this about... This is early Mark 90s, Alley. late 80s? Yeah, yeah both. But... Well, it's late, late 80s mainly. Yeah, because presumably 80s. the artwork is older than the book is. Older. Yes, definitely. But so it's, it's his 80s stuff, but it's Mark Hallett. I have described him before as my favorite paleo artist of all time and possibly still is. Oh, there's some extremely stiff competition, as you can imagine, but definitely one of them, definitely up there. One of the greatest paleo artists of all time. Absolutely stunning work. Fantastic. So, God, could I go? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're, <laughs> we are looking at... Um, the work as collected in Dinosaurs, A Global View, which was authored by Cherkis and Cherkis and first published in yes, 1990. I'm sorry, I've just done yep. your bit, Peng. Um, you no, can no, say no. the publisher. Who is the publisher? Well, um, it was first published by Dragon's World Limited in 1990, although I do have to say that my copy is the Barnes & Noble revised edition, which is published in 1996. Um, but I'm, I'm sure... Most of the content is much the same, including the artwork. Yeah. Yes. I have a Dutch edition from 1993 for reasons that I'm going to. What's, what's the Dutch title, Mark? Say it. No, you say it because you, you have to say it really well. You say it. <laughs> no, I want you to say it badly. That's the point. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. It's called De Oerwereld van de Dinosauriers. Or Dinosaurusen. Which one is it? Dinosauriers. Yeah, Dinosauriers. Dinosauriers, jongen. You forgot yeah, the jongen. Anyway, this book obviously by Cherkis and Cherkis, and it features the artwork of, well, Cherkis, the models, but also John Sibick and Doug Henderson and Mark Hallett. And we are looking at the. I mean, that is Mark a dream Hallett. team right there. Yes, absolutely. Isn't it? Exactly. The yeah. best paleoartists around at the time. What, what I do appreciate about this book is that um, I guess you could argue that. In a, terms of approach, Hallett and Civic's work share some similarities, but they both contrast well, starkly with the work of Henderson, which is a lot more atmospheric, animals are put off and pushed to the background, um, muted colours, whereas with Civic and especially Hallett, which is what we're looking at, um, yes. the animals are more foregrounded. It's more Very vibrant. much foregrounded. Yeah. yeah. Very much foregrounded, especially in some cases. Very much so. It's not quite Louis Ray's crazy head sticking out at you, foregrounded, but they are very much foregrounded. I mean, um, a piece I wanted to start with was the Dilophosaurus pair. Ah, yes. Playing tug of war. Yes, playing tug of war with their prey. And what an absolutely fantastic... Is that a Scutellosaurus that they're uh, devouring? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's sort of it, bipedal armoured. What does it say? Yes, it, the caption says Scutellosaurus. That's yeah, right. But what a fantastic piece. Just, yes. I don't know. There's obviously a lot that yeah. Alex's work has in common with Greg Paul in terms of the overall sort of form reconstruction of dinosaurs, but there's something so tangible about everything. Exactly. Although it's it's obviously not photorealism, but it's but it's, it's still highly detailed. But it just feels like you can just reach in there and touch everything. Yes. And, particularly and, the animals. Yes. And he, he has that in common with Civic, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I'd argue Hallett more so. Um Civic, I have heard it from some people who shan't be named that Civic can occasionally be a bit too fussy, shall we say? But as Hallett, yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I suppose I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe um, Civic as fussy at all. But I suppose the the, the main point of contrast between uh, John Civic, um, Le Grand Seigneur, and Mark Hallett is that um, I suppose Civic tends towards a more, shall we say, ordered sort of world. 
even in some of the more dramatic scenes, there's an almost a kind of sedateness in the approach. This isn't a criticism. This is um, my observation because there's much to be said for, for that as well. Yeah. Whereas, whereas with Mark Hallett, um, the, the dynamism and the sense of drama is very much at the forefront, especially in this piece we're looking at now with the Dilophosaurus. It's just added, I think, the, the drama of the scene by our almost looking up towards the animals. Yes, um, given the Scutellosaurus uh, eye view of the scene. You, you've got this little mm. Scutellosaurus running towards you in the foreground, and running towards oh, yeah. the viewer, and you're given this praise eye view of the entire scene, which obviously makes the two theropods look very intimidating. And the whole thing is quite blue-green in hue, apart from the very striking red stripe on the Dilophosaurus crest, which, oh, and of course the blood crest. on the Scutellosaurus, yeah, on the oh, face where it's being chopped. But just all these little details the way the expert the um, realized pads on the on the uh, fingers and toes the snapping twigs little bits of vegetation being kicked up little bits of ferns just so many things and obviously use of light and shade contrast of course but it just so much that makes it feel so immediate and real in a way i think some more photo real just right exactly. more real than real for having that I suppose, yeah, artistic flair oh, and absolutely. passion put into yeah. it. But at the same time, meticulously researched, it's worth saying. And right down to the plants as well. In fact, yeah. um, Global View has a section in the back which details all the plants at generic level, but that's still really impressive that are in these scenes. And of course, in, in that way, Mark Hallett kind of splits the difference between John Sibick and Douglas Henderson, who pays lots of attention to plants. Yes, in, in very many ways, he does seem to act like that in between. Yeah, especially in this book. Well, there are some pieces in here that are highly recognisable. It's just um, really, I hate to use this word because it's so overused and often misused, but these are iconic works of paleo art in that <laughs> they're instantly recognisable. You've seen them in so many places. You've seen so many yeah. copies and knockoffs of them, um, which are inevitably yep. inferior because no one can really get close to this. I mean, Absolutely. for the sake of rather more, you could call it, humdrum example it's in that it's not some over-the-top action scene but just a storicosaurus standing there next to a tree um i remember the first time i saw that was actually in this book when dinosaurs I magazine in... yeah exactly well the first time i saw the original was in this book when i got it back in i think 2011 and i thought oh that's where that one in dinosaurs magazine came from um because obviously in there they had a, a i don't know I can't remember who the artist was but they'd obviously copied it but the the difference between well they that didn't copy just copy and... it they they traced it over virtually and i can see three or four pieces among these which were absolutely shamelessly traced over for dinosaurs magazine but, and it's it's like you said mark you see this book and you're like oh so that's where this came from but the difference between the originals here and those copies that we were talking about it's night and fast. day yeah, yeah it's huge the, the believability of it i mean that's storicosaurus tiny subtleties in its skin in its face the eye mm -hmm. the the way the eyeball is being painted i mean just, just tiny little things the yes. um the, the flesh the, the skin between the toes just the difference is colossal i mean there was a scene i think it was by neil lloyd in um dinosaurs that was i think the dinosaurs were changed to a, another chasmosaur possibly chasmosaurus itself for pentaceratops but the um yeah, they were shoving each other too. over in a forest and of course yeah. The Mark Hallett original is in here featuring Triceratops, and that is an absolutely... I'm going to get sick of all the hyperbole by the end of this, but what a phenomenal piece. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at the horns, the horns alone with the little scratches and the layers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for something produced in the late 80s, this holds up. Yes, not in every oh, single... If you if you're gonna get really nitpicky about it, then things like Whoa. the feet, um, things like and some other aspects. Feet. It does have yeah. hippo feet now that you bring it up, yeah, or rhino feet. Primarily that, and yeah, we can argue about yeah. things like pseudo cheeks till the cows come home. But um, but it, come on, this this was from I believe the eighties, and it, it still looks absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, like I said, the little details oh, that the believability, yeah. the keratinous layers on the beaks. Um, the saggy skin folds on the neck and just the light streaming through all the plants that have been meticulously researched. And I said they're all named in the back, but um, yeah, I, I, I can't really do this justice just because all I can do is speak in absurd hyperbole um, for 
you know, which will get boring. Um, what else can we talk about? <laughs> Protoceratops and Velociraptor. Yeah, that's interesting one that it's aged a bit more for obvious reasons. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah. This one I can I can definitely see, and in other places as well I can see influence of Greg Paul. Yeah, although I suppose. So it it is it is a bit like the uh, Edmontosaurus, isn't it? If you are a competent artist and you research your <laughs> stuff well, this is what it ends up looking like. Quite. Yeah, it was the style at the time. Yeah, you know, I think that's the case here too. Yeah, that doesn't go as far as feathering his dromaeosaurs, but they do obviously look otherwise similar. But then there are other artists too who actually had access to good um, references and did their homework who produced similar looking dromaeosaurs at the time. Had it certainly did his own research. He wasn't just, um, he didn't just have a well-thumbed copy of Predator's Own Source of the World that obviously have been taken back in time in the TARDIS. So <laughs> I do like, I have to point out to the, the almost um, uh, the subplot, if you will, of this picture, which is the troop of Protoceratops all facing the Oviraptorosaur yes. in the back. Yeah. <laughs> which should have a little caption saying gulp. <laughs> it's like he's about to get beaten up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Actually, in this one, interestingly, the... Uh, the Protoceratops doesn't really suffer from the hippo feet, as we mentioned, although I guess that's because it's a smaller animal, so it wasn't imagined to have the hippo feet. Yeah. So I was looking at this Velociraptor again, the claws. He's so good at claws and horns and beaks. I'm, I'm looking at those as well, yeah. Professor Vick's pretty good. Yes, too. they do really reward studying. Especially since for many paleo artists, even good ones, dinosaur feet can be such a downfall, and Hallett just nails it every time. Nails it, so to speak. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. No uh-huh. pun intended, of course. You know uh-huh. me. <laughs> One very well-known piece that appears in here, and is it sort of stands out. I know which one you're going to bring up. I know which one you're going to bring up. Yeah, I know. It looks a lot more retro than the others. I think because it is, is that one with the T-Rex, which is only partly featured. They It features um, oh. sort of half of it. I thought you were going to bring there up the Momentosaurus. Oh, yeah, and that. But... <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, we can talk about the T-Rex do. first. <laughs> Let's talk about the T-Rex. Okay, the, the, the T-Rex looks considerably more retro than anything else in here, and it doesn't help that there's a Tyrannodon with very odd um, sort of propatagium flying overhead, which just looks weird. Oh, yes. <laughs> but that the T-Rex is, is very sort of, has lots of crocodilian aspects. It's a, well, it's, it's a meld of crocodile and bird, and the sort of Crocodile looks to the scales, sort of almost like scoots coming down off its neck and the sort of facial tissue. And then you've got the bird-like feet with tarsal scoots on and them. The, and the two clawed hands going, rah, sort of like like what you get when you ask a kid to pretend like it's got claws, <laughs> like, ah. Yeah, yes. and in fact, it's sort of rearing up and the arms are sort of, they look to be too long and they're spaced too far apart. But of course, it, this must be from the, the late 70s or something, because it's, it's definitely one of the older ones in here. But, but also one of the most reproduced. And of course, Hallett worked on the earliest sort of concepts and designs for Jurassic Park. And, you know, yeah. if you're wondering where the Jurassic Park T-Rex's weird pyramid horn things come from, uh, then, yeah, this is it. This is your answer. <laughs> uh, there they are. Speaking of famous pieces, I mean, famous and the one that you pieces. presumably thought I was going to speak about, very famous, yes. the Memenchisaurs <laughs> crossing the flat. Crossing the flats. It's... One of the most famous paleo art works of all time, and deservedly so. I think, frankly, it is one of the best pieces of paleo art of all time. Oh, I would, I would say so. Again, as with the Dilophosaurus, we're placed at ground level. So we're almost looking up at these animals. And he's using the best of his abilities to make you believe that those animals are well and truly there. The reflections in the water, utterly impeccable. You've got the dramatic clouds of course i'm dutch so i have to bring up oh, also the landscape's flat which obviously someone from the low countries you must really appreciate a nice flat landscape <laughs> Absolutely. although there are no straight drainage ditches because they had yet to be invented for millions of years but yeah it speaks for itself doesn't it i mean I think what so. an impressive piece of art there's stuff about the animals that you could pick apart but why would you i mean yeah there's stuff you do differently now because this is from exactly the 80s yeah. but it, yeah wow i don't care anyway it's, it's amazing look at the sky exactly. no no <laughs> for me it's every bit as iconic as a child's night t-rex versus triceratops scene or the age of reptiles mural this is yeah. a work of paleo art that's up there or or anything by burian this is up there with anything um absolutely mm. yeah 
it's funny. I have a book called The News About Dinosaurs, which uh, similarly gathers different pieces of paleo art from all sorts of uh, different places by, you know, the most talented artists of their de- generation. And it has this piece in it by Hallett. It also has a piece of sauropods crossing the flats by Gurchy. It has a piece by Henderson, sauropods crossing flats. And it has a piece by Greg Paul, sauropods crossing flats. And it's very interesting to have those pieces all together in one book and being able to compare and contrast them mm. and to see how all of their approaches are different. Is this, is this what inspired Mark Whitten's comment about the Mesozoic being ripe for Dalek conquest and that being a bit of a paleo art trope? from back in the day well <laughs> i don't think flat. you can lay that charge at only these pieces um doors i think that's just no. something that got perpetuated also daleks can fly but they can now daleks can fly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they always could fly there's john pertwee episodes now go, go always on. i think anyway <laughs> let's get get back on track yeah interesting to compare the different approaches us, us being facetious of course you didn't just mean that it, it's obviously convenient to draw a flat landscape but um, a lot of artists did it so it's more interesting to have undulations and things but there were flat landscapes back then as there are now for example in the netherlands um so it's fair enough really and of course you can hardly accuse hallett of just having flat landscape or a flat landscape if you look, go back to the dilophosaurus no. scene it's on a slope <laughs> for one you have different levels in there you have rocks and things going on um I wanted to mention the, I mean, I could go on all day because there are quite a few Hallett pieces in this book and all of them are pretty amazing. But one in particular that stood out to me as well was the scene with dicreosaurs. Again, the landscape is somewhat, although not entirely flat, because it is a bit of a floodplain. And you have some um, dicreosaurs walking. and One of them's got its tail and it's just splashed a, um, a muddy puddle. And of course, the splashes are all meticulously painted. I can see some other animals in the background as well. I think juveniles... Um, some of them having an argument, some of them just relaxing. There's yeah. a crocodilian thrown in there for There's yeah, a crocodile a there, color. yeah. And also what you're saying about the the low angles, again we are quite low down from pretty much a human the perspective of a human viewer you know, within that scene. So it does help place us within the world a great deal. And it does seem to be something that Hallett does quite a lot which is fair enough because mm. it's very effective yeah we could say the same thing for henderson really as we said whose work also appears here in that it's often drawn from the perspective of a sort of hypothetical human viewer and often at a distance a from the sort creature. of, the sort of yeah. distance you would likely yeah put between yourself and some honking great reptile that could easily kill right you. <laughs> exactly yes yeah. in this case it, it seems like we're kind of hidden in the foliage looking out at them yes yeah Yes, we are. Yeah, small in a huge world. It's um, it's bigger. So we should come back to Henderson at some point. But yeah, <laughs> we'll get to Henderson at some point. Are the uh, dicreosaurs? Are they wet on the underside? I think they are. Yeah, aren't they? They've been wallowing and yeah, yeah. The muddy water. That's a really good observation because I actually had overlooked that until now. Uh, what else is in here? I am very partial to the bit with Shunosaurus. Is that the one? The club-tailed sauropods whacking the theropod in the face what's the theropod by the way um doesn't say it's um i mean obviously i've got kind of the dutch version but it appears to say um a primitive allosaurus like theropod um it looks to me like it's meant to be young chanosaurus i was going to say that i believe it's gasosaurus that is found in the same quarry as shunosaurus yeah but is it, it but to me it just looks like Young Chinosaurus. Maybe it's meant to be Gasosaurus. It looks very much like a young Chinosaurus. Yeah, here it's just described as a primitive Allosaurus-like theropod. Um, is that the same in your edition, Peng? Um, yes, that is exactly the same. Yes, a herd of Shunosaurus, Cetiosaurus from China, moves on in the distance as two primitive Allosaur-like theropods entrap a lone member which had strayed behind. Yes, again, it's the action, the dynamism. Not shying away from putting a bit of blood in, which is always, you know, always welcome. Following my criticisms. It's a dying art. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just the amazing, again, the believability of it in terms of how, how tangible and chunky everything is. The, the musculature on the legs of the theropods, the, um, the flexing of the... Yeah, on the, on the Shunosaurus as well. That's, that, <laughs> those are some, some drumsticks that's got going on. The... Um, the flexing of the theropods' toes as well is obviously meddled, meddled, modelled on birds, but 
it yeah very much yeah, but looks utterly believable like um striding cassowary yeah, yeah. it's just that little it's just that tension to detail uh, again for the time you think about some of the artists working back then contemporaries who went up to this standard it's absolutely top notch <laughs> another piece beautifully creative there is a piece of archelon on the shoreline oh yes massive sea turtles being stalked by what looks like an albertosaur while the moon hangs low in the sky yeah sounds like a song lyric <laughs> well i think it is now it is now that one it, it does look like an albertosaur doesn't it which they're not obvious at first glance but you have a bunch of small theropods that look like dromaeosaurs or troodonts that are minning around and they're one of them is pecking at yes, a, you do. one of the archelon <laughs> probably quite ineffectually they seem a bit unconcerned by the tyrannosaur being there but they're just sort of following behind it maybe being a bit trying to be a bit opportunistic but yes again very low down angle almost from an archelon point of view on the scene looking back at them as they move their way down the beach nice moon <laughs> I, I just the lighting yeah. in general is really fantastic i think this is a this is a prog rock song in the making yeah <laughs> one of the very best all time one of my favorites if not my absolute favorite i think so. i i could just I, I could i'll be reduced to just gibbering again though so i probably shouldn't say too much obviously working in the field since 1974 absolutely colossal body of work hugely impressive i really would love to see a book like a global view just full of mark hallett artworks a celebration of mark hallett's work if such a thing exists someone needs to tell me <laughs> I don't think it does necessarily. I think it should. Yes. Especially while Hallett is still around, let's be honest. He's he was born in forty seven. He must be getting on. He's a in bit. his seventies now, yeah, but um Yeah. But what an artist. Stephen Churkus is no longer with us. No, he's sadly not, no. But um Mark Hallett is and what an artist. Just up there with the absolute best in the field. I, I think he combines the best of what the 80s had to offer yeah Uh, if you think of any other artist in the 80s apart from maybe henderson i think hallett is as good as any of them and he combines the best traits of all of them i think hallett and henderson complement each other really well which is why this book works so well well in terms of just the art which is good because i've got the text and language that i mostly can't read so at least i can enjoy the arts and yeah they do they don't half complement each other really well I do want to rejoin what you said earlier about him being a lovely sort of in-between Henderson and Civic, particularly uh, as they stand in this book. I did want to to mention earlier before Technology Betrayed Us that in the Dicryosaurus piece, for example, I think this is one in which Hallett is at his most Civic-like, if you will. What we were saying earlier about that sense of um, sedateness in Civic's work is here in this piece, but with good purpose. Really, all that is just to say that he bridges all of those things whilst being completely one of the outstanding heroes of the period, really. I mean, it's a cop-out to say, look, it's Mark Hallett, what more is there to say? But come on now. (laughs) That's really all one needs to, really. (laughs) It speaks for itself. Go look at it. It's on the blog, chasmosaurus.com, podcast show notes. Go take a look at it. Really, it speaks for itself. Or, you know, just Google Mark Hallett and Menkisaurus to see about three million versions of it online. But preferably look at our blog. Yeah. (laughs) Our guest today is artist Andy Fraser, illustrator of creatures extinct and imaginary alike, perhaps best known for his series Dragons of Wales, Novosaurs, and of course for his dinosaur art. Andy, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to Casmosaurs. Yeah, hi, hello. It's, uh, it's really nice to be with you. Thank you so much. Um, Andy, before I let Mark take over the reins um, for most of this interview, um, I do just want to ask you my one mandatory question, and that is, how did you arrive at your love of dinosaurs and prehistoric life? Um, given that uh, you are also interested in imaginary beasts, which is not at all uncommon an overlap among paleo artists, um, which came first for you, the dragons or the dinosaurs? Well, for me, it was uh, very definitely the dinosaurs that uh, that came first. Um, I think it's probably quite a quite a common story amongst uh, 
amongst people like ourselves. But um, it all began with uh, childhood trips to, uh, in my case, Birmingham Museum, um, where they had a, a life-size, quite famous life-size uh, papier-mâché tyrannosaur. And as a very, very young child, actually, my, probably my first childhood memories are um, running through the museum. I used to run past all the other exhibits through Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery just to get to their dinosaur hall. And it was uh, quite an overwhelming experience, I think, for a young child to see that thing. because it, it absolutely filled the room. It was quite, a, quite an incredible sight. Yes. Um, and so for me, it, it, all, it all began there. This is the diversion to dragons. It's something that happened much, much, much later, decades later. Um, if I'm I honest, see. I was never really, um, never really that interested in, in fantasy creatures or legends or mythology. That's something that um, only really came to me later in life um, right. and obviously as you said there's a clearly a huge overlap a huge overlap between those subjects and so yeah obviously I think my fascination with dinosaurs probably informed my work with dragons um, but like I say that giant paper mache tyrannosaur that's really where it's where it all began for me fantastic I was going to ask because I'm mostly intrigued by about this myself but what walk you tell us about your background and your study your professional background just to give people a bit of a an overview because as you just said you started with dinosaurs but um i thought as an artist professionally what well you know as i said what did you study what's your um your background there yeah sadly um looking back now with, with some regret i um i sort of lost that that early childhood love of dinosaurs or if i did i didn't lose it it kind of got taken over by by other interests and other pursuits as i yeah. kind of got a little bit older um so i studied um art at school obviously um it was always i was always even when dinosaurs weren't my main focus i was always drawing um you know from as, as, as long as i can remember um so i studied i studied art um but then i was advised by some very poor careers advisors at school oh, yes. that um there was there was there, there was no living to be made as an artist um the the best you could do was to go into design because um there was at least there was money to be made in design so foolishly i listened to them um and i then went and studied um industrial design at cardiff university and went from there straight into a job as a designer for the live events industry um which is something that i then did for the following 24 25 years okay. believe it or not um and and really because i was spending so much time drawing in my day job as a, as a designer then my own sort of passion for drawing kind of got lost a little bit because when you've been drawing all day at work, the last thing you necessarily want to come home and do is draw some more. So sadly, I kind of I kind of lost that that passion, that enthusiasm, and feel very very fortunate really to have regained it. You know, some years later. I was to say, when did that come back, and when especially did the passion for dinosaurs and paleo art come back? I mean, was it a case of you saw how the science had progressed and were inspired by that or whereas what's that particular art you were inspired by by other artists it, it's exactly that progression I, I can tell you exactly the, the moment because um i remember as a, taking a step back um as a child i was given a copy of a book that at the time was probably really not aimed at children but it was um adrian desmond's hot bloody dinosaurs oh, yeah. um and in that obviously it's got Backer's famous dinonychus illustration and I, as a young child, I saw that and that absolutely stuck with me. Um, and then years and years later, I was at work and I was I was bored and I was Googling. And I came across um, Lewis V. Ray's Deinonychus. Uh, the, I was waiting for you. The slightly, yes. the slightly infamous <laughs> kind of turkey Deinonychus. And I saw that and I, I, I saw the name of it, Deinonychus, and I had in my head my childhood impression of what Deinonychus was or should have been. And it really, I thought, what have I missed? What's happened in the last 20 years? When did, when did, when did all this happen? Because, you know, I, I'd kind of gone away from the subject. And in the meantime, it seemed that dinosaurs have suddenly completely changed. Um, and so seeing, seeing Lewis's reconstruction was a real moment for me. And at that point, I thought, I, I've, got to, I've got to find out what's been going on. Um, and that's absolutely the moment that my, my passion was was reawakened i mean i felt i can really relate to that as well i mean i must have obviously i wasn't away for as long so to speak but i remember mm. 
I too started seeing feathered reconstructions of dinosaurs everywhere. And I just thought, on what basis is this? And then went away and obviously found out actually on quite a lot of basis, as it, as it turns out. <laughs> um, but yes, I was waiting. I was really hoping you'd mention the Louis Ray Dinonychus because um, it seems to me like Louis has had quite some influence over your work, if you don't know what I'm saying. I mean, is, is that fair? Like, has... that's, in, that's, that's, that's entirely fair. And it's, it, I take it absolutely as a compliment if people see any kind of vague connection at all however however slight um then i, I see that as a as a huge positive and I'm, I'm a huge admirer not just of his um of his actual artwork the, the end product but also his his process and above all the fact that you can be both you can be rigorous and informed by the science and yet still also be highly creative and present things that people have have never seen before and being able to balance those two they, they sound almost like conflicting conflicting concepts that adherence to the science and creativity um but lewis absolutely absolutely nails that for me I mean, it's true of course that it's possible to be as you said both creative and rigorous stick with the science but at the same time explore creative aspects and as you said make the most of the fact that the prehistoric world was probably more wonderful and you know and um flamboyant and crazy than we can imagine so although, of course mm. we do have to stick to you know be as rigorous as we can i suppose it's the whole point of all oh, yesterday is going back to, i mean i can't believe how long ago that was now <laughs> so, um, that's the whole point of being made there sticking with um being rigorous but then also being realistic in terms of and being a bit um exploratory hmm. i'm most familiar with your work through buying x terror which is your book from mm-hmm. 2022 which is a uh, hmm. compendium of various paleo artworks of yours what i found most intriguing about that was the fact that you don't make it clear when you're being entirely rigorous and when you're taking some slight flights of fancy um, on purpose. Mm. And I mean, when you were, I know it's probably a combination of pieces you did at different times and hadn't necessarily thought about initially putting them all into a book together. Um, unless you were, I don't know, where you were, was that always? No, this, it was very much, uh, I mean, the, the reason when, when you go through the book, there's no, there was no, never any attempt Whenever any intention to produce a comprehensive or wide-ranging work, so that's why there are certain species in there that are repeated more than once, and obviously, you know, huge sections of of the variety of dinosaurs that don't appear there at all, because it, it is very much a random random collection. But I suppose what was interesting was how, in the introduction, you explicitly say, "Well, some of this is rigorous, and some of it isn't," and you're just going to have to kind mm. of try and work it out, <laughs> which is. Uh, a fun challenge for anyone who's interested in dinosaurs and it does make you question um your own assumptions and think how far you think well that looks a bit silly but then you sort of um question yourself and think well does it though or is it just are these just my preconceptions of all my preconceived notions of what they should look like you know informed by pop culture and so on i mean did you do you really want to set out to challenge people's ideas um to, to push things in that way yeah, I, 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 I do. It, it was a conscious, it was a conscious decision on my part. Um, and interesting, actually, just sort of going back to my, my previous career as a designer. Um, it's a technique that I, I used a lot then, which is when you had a very um, conservative client who was very resistant to change. One of the things I would always do then is to give them a really far out there radical design, um, knowing that they were then going to kind of rein it back in and sort of sanitize it if you like but because in that first instance you've taken them so far out of their comfort zone even when they'd range you back in you were going to end up with a more interesting product than if you hadn't pushed them at the start i almost take that same approach now to to what i do and by putting out some pretty radical ideas and, and as you said I'm, I'm very open about the fact that some are entirely based in science other ones are really pushing the outer edges of probably what is plausible given given the fossil evidence um but by doing that um as you said i think it does it, it challenges you it, it challenges preconceptions and i i have no issue with people having looked at it and considered it saying no that is a step too far i i don't think that's plausible i don't take offense to that that doesn't bother me at all i'm happy that the work at least has kind of prompted that that conversation and that kind of thought process and I think that's kind of a key role that that paleo art can can fulfil. I mean, the mix in here of approaches is or sort of different levels of straying from the norm. It's it's in um, 
all the illustrations of just T-Rex, because as you said, okay, perhaps not every group of dinosaurs is represented in here um, equally. And there's quite a bit of T-Rex in here, I guess, predictably. There is. But, but every T-Rex looks different. And some of them are a bit more vanilla than others. I mean, you've got, um, there's a beautiful illustration of a pair walking, like a, an adult and a juvenile walking through a forest environment. Hmm. And that one is quite, they're quite conventional looking. Um, Absolutely. But then later on, you have one with sort of part of its face ripped open, looking very gnarly and sort of punk rock. And then you have um, <laughs> some other ones with increasing amounts of fuzz. There's one with like a sort of um, lilac body and a green leg and a red head. That's pretty, uh, that's, that's getting sort of wild color territory. And then you have obviously fuzzier ones, ones with great big dewlaps uh, and wattles. You are, you're um, quite fond of your dewlaps and wattles and caruncles, actually. I was going to ask if you had a pet turkey. At all, at home. <laughs> I'd love to have one, but no, I haven't. I mean, you're right. I do. I do lean very heavily into kind of a lot of the the, the soft tissue stuff, and that again is it's about challenging those preconceptions. And it's also, I think, there's been a a trend in in, in paleo art and in our perception of dinosaurs. In we've now moved beyond the stage of dinosaurs as monsters. Happily, that we've, we've kind of left that in the past. Um, and embrace the idea that they are or were natural living animals, No, in some ways no different to the animals we've got around us today. Um, but I think there's a slight danger in that as well, in that we've, we can almost normalise them too much right. um, and make them seem so ordinary, for want of a better word, um, that we kind of lose sight of the fact that there are no direct... Um, sort of analogues to dinosaurs alive today, we are separated by almost unimaginably vast spans of time. Um, you know, they live in a world that in almost every sense was very, very different to ours. And I think there's a danger of making them just too ordinary. And I think there's, we've got to accept the possibility that at least some of them, not all, but at least some, would have been incredibly weird. And possibly, you know, almost unrecognisable to us you know, with our preconceptions. And I think by adding, um, you know, the, the soft tissues and the quills and all the other bits and pieces I tend to to put on these things, that is just a way of kind of sort of prompting people to think, well, hang on. Yes, they were animals. Yes, they were real. Yes, they were governed by all the natural laws that govern life on our planet. But there's still that room in there for some real absolute strangeness. And um, I, I think by, you know, by exploiting the soft tissues and the colours, that's just a way of kind of emphasising that, that aspect of them. You think there's a danger that we have too many reconstructions that are highly rigorous, but a bit too sleek and uniform perhaps so you're trying to introduce yeah and i think freaky, freakiness yeah and that's not that's not a definite that's not a criticism of the people that are working on that style because i think if we're realistic if we look at life around us today you know an overwhelming majority of animals are pretty ordinary you know <laughs> you know incredible incredible and fascinating but they they tend to be kind of brown and gray and they've got a leg at each corner and they're they fall within a kind of a, a general sort of size range or whatever um, and so, of course, back then, likewise, I'm sure a vast majority of animals wouldn't have been that extraordinary. But there is still room, as there is now in the world, for some absolute amazing, wonderful freaks, if you like. Um, and I think, obviously, you know, you look at the animals around us today and arguably the most colourful, the most outrageous, the biggest freaks in nature today are are birds. Um I think there's a you know there's an obvious obvious connection to draw there. I mean, speaking of which, I haven't must admit I haven't seen um, your book. Oh, what's it called? Um, the one where you, you basically combine birds with extinct dinosaurs. Uh, Novasaurs. Yeah, sorry, I haven't yeah. I haven't read Novasaurs, but I'm quite keen to get hold of a copy now. But I mean, was that sort of your idea there, really, to emphasise? Or I suppose it's, it's a kind of a kind of a bit of fun but also were you emphasizing the the link between the two and how um ridiculous i, I suppose it, it's a bit of a as i said in the review it's a bit of a tired almost trope now for people to just sort of photo bash birds and then say look it's a velociraptor you know when you can see it's a, a llama mm -hmm. guy with a snout drawn on it um but sure. in, in that case i suppose 
what what was the aim there were you just trying to sort of uh emphasize the connection or point out that um you know these things don't look too ridiculous as as dinosaurs as extinct dinosaurs no i mean well with 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 novasaurs specifically um the the idea for that actually came from the the chickenosaurus project oh yeah which uh, is a is a difficult subject because i'm <laughs> it sounds really strange given given what i've done with it and i've actually taken that idea and run with it a little bit i also recognize it as being in a lot of ways pretty problematic and questionable on, on all sorts of fronts um but the idea behind Novasource was that let's say that the science behind that is is sound let's say that it's doable let's say that we can effectively reverse engineer dinosaurs from extant birds how would that happen in the real world where would that go um my thought was doing it is going to be expensive people are going to want to monetize it because that's the world we live in and so novasaurs really are um domesticated dinosaurs so they're they're engineered from birds they have dinosaur characteristics so tails grasping forelimbs all those kinds of things but they're generally small they're they're bird sized they're domesticated largely and in this kind of hypothetical future that the book exists in then novasaurs are available for sale to the general public just as just as poultry is is today and so the creatures within there then most of them are derived from very specific bird species and then sort of as you say sort of elaborated on and adapted into dinosaur form um but it was just really a way of exploring the the ideas behind the chickenosaurus project but doing it in a the, the beauty of art is it lets you explore these potentially dangerous ideas in a very safe way yes no chickens were harmed in the making of novasaurs no chickens were harmed in the making of this book <laughs> a, a lot of i've had a lot of feedback from that book of generally positive but people assuming that because i created this book I'm a huge fan of the whole idea of the Chickenosaurus project, and I want it to happen. I want <laughs> us to be making dinosaurs, and th- and that's re- that really, really wasn't the case. I don't know why people would assume that <laughs> based on the fact you made that book. It's, it's a big leap to me, but okay, it's like um, it is, it yeah. is. But, um, it's, it's like it's like saying yeah. George Orwell was a big fan of totalitarian government. But, exactly, um... exactly that. Or yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but. Um, no, so like I say, I, I thought it was a really interesting way, of, and I, I do kind of make a point in kind of the in parts of the book to say that you know, you know look, this, this is fascinating. You know, in in some aspects, this is fascinating, and let's be honest, who wouldn't love a pet dinosaur? But right. but there are there are big questions, big big questions, and big big issues that kind of underlie underlie yeah, all that. Big big ethical questions. It almost reminds you of that um, book and movie franchise a little bit, but we won't we won't go there. Um, no, 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 but that's, that's obviously a different <laughs> a different concept. I mentioned X Terror already, which came out in 2022, and I came to myself embarrassingly recently. But X Terror Two is on the way very soon. It's on the way very very soon. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, what can we expect from that? More, sort of more of the same idea or slightly different concept? Yeah, more, it's it's more of the same in the sense that all the work in in the first X Terror book and in this one, these weren't commissions. These weren't produced for any other reason than these were the stuff I did between proper jobs to because i wanted to do it um and so again there's quite a heavy tyrannosaur bias in the book i'm happy to to admit that um (laughs) although there there are there are plenty of other things in there as well in this book as well there are quite a few um the new book quite a few pencil sketches as well because um although obviously my work is predominantly digital increasingly i've been kind of getting back to my roots a little bit Mm. and going back to back to pencil and paper and so in in this in this second book there's probably a i could say a 50-50 split really between between digital work and uh, more traditional kind of sketch and you work. tend to um digitally color your pencil your sketches don't you so, in some yeah. in some cases i do that's right yeah, but, yeah otherwise yeah, it's right. pretty much just digital yeah, yeah. okay because i was going to ask about media but obviously you're mostly digital but yet you are doing a lot more pencil sketches i mean there are quite a few pencil sketches in exterior there are actually yeah yeah there, there, there are there's a there's fine i think there's probably a few more in the the second book kind of shifts the bias slightly back towards the towards the pencil sketches but yeah still still a real mix of, of those and um as you say the colored sketches and the the fully rendered fully rendered paintings as well How about your um proper work as you put it <laughs> i mean uh <laughs> who have you been what sort of stuff have you been up to what who have you been commissioned by if you're allowed to say um as much as you're allowed to say um at the, the moment well 
uh, this past year, kind of, I've been making these books now, um, the Dragons of Wales books, and then more recently the Dinosaur books for the last six, seven years now. Um, and for most of that time, I've been juggling that with the, sort of the tail end of my day job as a as a designer. But last year, I I cut the ties completely, went completely self-employed and freelance as an illustrator, and picked up my first proper paleo art commission earlier, well, actually later last year now, um, which has now been completed. I can't really no. say too much about that um, because the it's yet to be published. Um, what I can say, though, is it's, it kind of involves, it involves for me, the reconstruction of the heads of an adult and juvenile of the same species, kind of the focus of this study. And this was actually working from detailed scans of the actual, actual 3D scans of the actual fossils and then properly building it up. So I'm really looking forward to these being seen by the world for all sorts of reasons not least because they are compared to some of my stuff they are more conservative they are absolutely grounded 100% in the in the reality of the science and it was a process that I found absolutely fascinating because I was forced to be more rigorous than I perhaps am with my own personal work and to really really understand the subjects that I was illustrating and the discipline and the the things that you learn just by going through that process that was absolutely fascinating to me and so it's something that i'm keen to be doing a lot more of you know in the coming coming year and years ahead one other thing i was going to ask we did talk a bit about this earlier especially how your influence from um ruby's reign among others but i suppose among mm. your contemporaries now the contemporary paleo artists are there any in mm. particular that you admire or whose work well i mean whose work you really admire there's so many. I mean, we're in a we're in a, yeah. a golden age, aren't we? Um, we really are. And I'm I'm always I'm always nervous of naming people because I know if I if I list people, I'll miss people out. And there's there's so many. But no, there, there's two that I when people ask me about my favourites, there's two that I always come back to. Lewis Ray aside, because to me he kind of you know he stands separate to a lot of these in some ways. But Brian Eng, I absolutely love his work, and again for the for the same reason that he's again proof that you can be. You can be rigorous, you can be scientific, and you can also be creative and, and out there and, and pushing yeah. pushing boundaries. So I absolutely love everything he does. Um, love the fact as well that a lot of his work is large scale and traditional painting on the walls, which I think is just, in this day and age, is just fantastic that there's still people people doing that. And also the fact that he doesn't just reconstruct his dinosaurs so beautifully, but also the attention to the paleoecology around it all, all all the plant life is is done so well as well i think that's a a lesson for all of us in, in the way that he does that and, and the other artist i always mention is is bob nichols yeah who i, I think his work is is i mean it is just again just so good arguably he's not perhaps not as out there as some of the artists he, he's more straight ahead paleo work but it is just so so good i i don't think he always gets the the online attention that he deserves because he, he's perhaps not quite as active across social media as, as some of us are. But I think the, the reason for that is that while a lot of us are talking about it on social media, Bob's just down there yeah. doing the work. I was going to say, you know? say don't, don't worry about him. He's in plenty of, you know, books and museums. I think he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, doing, he's doing all right. And, 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 and so he should be, but um, I, I just, when, when you see his stuff, it, it's just right. And you just have that confidence in it that, you know, there's there's the understanding behind it. It's beautiful artwork. I mean, I, and the other thing that I, I really liked, I saw a comment from Bob. This is a few, probably a couple of years ago now, but there's a bit of a trend on social media for people to for artists to post these beautifully rendered pieces and say, "Here's a quick sketch that I did," and you look at it and think that that wasn't that wasn't a quick mm. sketch. You spent hours on that, and then Bob posted a bit of work and freely admitted that he'd spent hundreds of hours on this thing. And I thought that that's, that's so refreshing. There's people prepared to say that, you know, I, I didn't just knock this out in a few minutes, that I, I sweated over this. I spent days and weeks on this. And I thought, oh, that's, 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 that's the kind of honesty yeah. that I can, I can really respect. And, and, and it shows in, the, shows in the final product as well, obviously. I mean, nothing else is narcissist. It must be quite reassuring. Like, oh, yes, that, that, thank God he didn't just apparently knock that out in 10 minutes. It's actually, that, that did take some... Uh, it's a massive effort. It is, and it's something that is interesting. As I've as I've got more and more into the dinosaur work, I've I've actually become slower and slower in some ways because not because my technique has become worse or or you know I've forgotten how to do stuff, but because I am just 
getting increasingly into the details and questioning what I do at each stage. And whereas before I'd, I'd knock something out and think, oh, that's, that looks, that looks cool. That'll do. Increasingly, I'm thinking, you know, well, yeah, it looks cool, but is it right? Is it, is it challenging? Is it, is it pushing any boundaries? Can it be done better? Can it be done differently? Uh, and of course, that does that does slow your process down a little bit yeah, as well. Yeah, the danger of getting sucked in. I mean, how have you found the reactions to your own work online from people? <laughs> well, social media, social media, isn't it? Um, it, it I've, I, I don't. Well, first of all, I don't take the I don't take the criticisms to heart. It, it, it is what it is. I'm all, I'm actually quite heartened by the fact that if you look at kind of the balance of comments they always tend to be overwhelmingly positive. When you look at who the comments come from, the most positive ones generally tend to come from the sort of people whose views I, I'm i inclined to, to value and respect, um, as opposed to the the trolls that are, that are out there. But I'm also really encouraged that I, I posted recently on a lot of the paleo Facebook groups my latest Tyrannosaur portrait, and it, it did divide opinions but some of the debates that it sparked out were fascinating to me as well, and they, they forced me to consider some of the choices that I that I've made along the way. I think I saw um, that, yeah. And whether, whether, whether I agree whether I agreed with them or not, I thought, well, great, because this is exactly what I want to be doing. It's 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 prompting debate, it's prompting disagreement, but positive positive disagreement. And, I, and as long as it's doing that, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, I suppose it wasn't just people saying that looks dumb. It was people saying, well, I'm not sure about this choice because of this and this potential ecological reason or this and that behaviour. Yeah, or, 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 or you know, um, you know the, the, the jaw musculature of tyrannosaurs is different to X, Y and Z. And so I don't think this would necessarily be like that. And you've, you've got to be prepared to be wrong in this, both, both in, in, in paleontology and in art. Being wrong is a is a big, big part of it. And you've got to embrace that. But if that, if that wrongness leads to learning something new, then that, that's all good. That's good to say, yeah. That's <laughs> a very good positive attitude, I think. Yeah. Got, learn to be wrong. Learn to... Um, em, em, embrace, embrace your embrace wrongness. Wrong. Yeah. Learn all the time. Exactly. Especially if it improves your Tyrannosaur artworks. I know. I, I know there, there is, I, I do feel a bit of pressure sometimes not to be quite so Tyrannosaur-centric because I, I know they're vastly overrepresented in paleo art. I, I know that. But also they're, they're just really cool and I like drawing them. And you yeah. know that's that's the you way. You can't it is. escape that in the end. They're just really cool. Exactly. Probably you should mention where we can find you online in various places. Um, yeah, of course. Well, I'm on. Uh, I'm across. I think pretty much all the all the social media channels um, where I can be found as at Dragons of Wales or one word Dragons of Wales. Um, but also my website, which is very easy. It's uh, andyfraser.com, and Fraser is spelt with a Z. So andyfraser.com. Um, and that has links to uh, portfolios of my work, my online shop, my social media stuff. Thank you again, Andy, so much um, for your time um, and for coming to speak to us. It's been a wonderful interview and I really enjoyed everything you said. Yes. Thanks very much, Andy, for speaking with us. Yeah, it's great to, uh, it's great to be, be here with them. Yes, and thanks to Andy Fraser for that lovely interview. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Doop, 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 doop. Yeah, thanks to again. Well, thanks again <laughs> to Andy for joining us. Finally managed to grab him. Finally got him on the podcast. And yeah, we finally got a hold. And of turned him. out he had quite a lot to say, which is very welcome and very interesting stuff. Yeah, it was a good, very nice chat. But he was someone who uh, has been on our wish list. On our wish list, wish list. He has been someone who has been on our wish list for a while. So. Uh, quite happy that we finally managed to uh, snare him that's a whole other cookie <laughs> that's right yes so that's uh, another episode in the bag 31 it's a new year it's a new me hey hey um yeah i'm optimistic we're gonna keep it going there are some people that we uh, would like to interview in the future they know we do and we'll be stalking them mercilessly um if there's anyone listening who has an idea or a suggestion of something, uh, a piece of vintage dinosaur art for us to cover in the future, uh, please let us know. We always read the comments. We read everything. We prefer you comment on the blog itself, uh, but you can 
message us on Facebook as well or wherever. Yeah, we're, we're always open to suggestion, aren't we? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And if you can supply us with the material, then so much the better. If you, if you can send each yeah, of definitely. us signed copies of the books involved, then so much the better. <laughs> that's, that's the minimum standard we accept. Signed copies. Signed first editions. Signed copies only. Hardback. Uh, of course, this being the Jubilee year of the blog, the blog has been going for 15 years now, but still, I'm finding dinosaur art that I've never heard of before, that has never been covered on the blog by me or by Mark or by David or by anybody else. Uh, it's still out there. I never thought it would be such a, a nearly inexhaustible source because... You'd say, by definition, vintage dinosaur art is a finite source. You're going to run out at some point. Uh, and presumably, you'd run out at a faster rate well... than that <laughs> new things become eligible again. But given how much we've stretched the definition of vintage, that does give us considerably more leeway than it otherwise might have done. Yeah. So there is that. 80s and 90s are vintage. So the million times, we know it's not vintage necessarily, but the name stuck. We know that some slightly naff kids book from the, from the 80s Turned out by a jobbing artist. It's probably not vintage, really. It's just, you know, old and a bit nostalgic. But the name stuck. That's what people know. We're sticking with it now. It's too late. It's been 15 years of that name. You can't make a stop. Yeah. I'll never stop. Sorry, what are we talking about? Oh, no. But even the slightly naff children's books are interesting to me. They are, yeah, for different reasons. Because this stuff... I obviously feel like we're doing a public service because, of course, this stuff would be largely forgotten about if it weren't for us magnanimous bloggers um, covering it. So, Definitely. <laughs> we, we are the historians of paleo yeah, arts. That's, that's what we are. We're important. I mean, we're certainly being looked We towards. are building the largest online archive of paleo arts that ever existed. I, I think we're doing the, the Lord's work, to be honest. Hallelujah. We've even been cited in some publications. We have, yeah. We have, yeah. I think we're in the Paleo Artist Handbook by Witten. There you go. There's maybe a couple of others. I can't remember. <laughs> this stuff that would be overlooked and forgotten about, but that's what we like to champion. The forgotten cure and people's yes. half-remembered childhood memories, digging them up. Often my own half-remembered childhood <laughs> nostalgia. Like, oh yeah, I remember that time. Yeah. And, and mine. And yours. Uh, so if there's anything half-remembered that you half-remember and you would like us to know about, and we haven't done it on the blog yet, yeah, let us know. We're always uh, happy to uh, just find out about new stuff, happy. new old stuff. Yes, we are very much so. And thank you once again for listening and for reading and for supporting us in all the ways that you do. We are extremely grateful for it, always. Yes, good night, everybody. And tune in again next month. Thank you. Thanks for listening and have a good night. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Love in the Time of Chasmosaurus, the podcast. Your hosts were Nati Himapan, Mark Vincent, and me, Gemma Hazeborg. You can find all the images and links we discussed today on our blog at chasmosaurs.com. You can find us on social media at Love in the Time of Chasmosaurs. If you want to give us your support, please leave us a comment or a good review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also support us on patreon.com slash litc. Our music is by Rowan Long, who can be found at bronzewing.bandcamp.com. Stay safe, stay curious. And we hope to see you again soon. On which note, I do want to petition whether we could have a regular fixture of dinosaur toy news in our chat. No. Given how thick and fast the releases come, I know, I'm sure we won't be. <laughs> yes. I'm sure we won't. Um, we won't be uh, at any shortage. No, no, not having it. No, nope. soon. Yeah, it was a resounding no from our yes. editor, dear listeners. So uh, yeah. I tried. I nope, tried. nope. I'm, I'm not yeah. having that. Nope, not going to do it. Oh, fortunately, the editor is God. Ah, oh, these people. <laughs>